Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. We're going to talk about the economy this morning. Not exactly what you're thinking, though. Um, but probably like uh, many of you, I know when I hear the word economy, immediately I want nothing to do with it. Uh, and so I thought I'd begin today with a joke. There were two economists on a desert island. Uh, they had nothing, they had no money, uh, but over the next three years they made millions selling their hats to each other. You might be surprised to know that the that economy is something that, that the God actually talks about. Uh, in our lesson, Jesus also said to his disciples, there's a rich man who had a manager who was accused of wasting his possessions. The term manager is the Greek word koinomos. Koinomia, from where we get our word economy, uh, literally means the law of the house. So this manager was the steward uh, of the house, the manager of the house. Um, in the ancient biblical world, everything you did, your work, your society, everything, was centered around your home. Everything was for the betterment, the flourishing of your household, your family. In fact, the very first institution God created when he created the world was the family, the home. The purpose of the family was to glorify God by, by bringing his love into the rest of the world. God is love, and God is triune. God is love because God is triune. To, to love, you need at least two people. You need a family. So your family is the center of God's economy. The purpose of the economy is love or service that's directed towards the family, all built around bettering flourishing your home. But we've turned that around in our day. Now you go to work not to serve your family, but to better the economy, right? The nebulous economy. You see this in the way that we treat the government today. And one of the purposes we think our government has is to tell us everything is fine. Uh, like the, the meme of the dog uh, sitting in a burning house with a cup of coffee saying everything is fine. The government says to us, the economy is up. Look, the GDP is up. Uh, uh, look, stock is up. Everything is fine. Meanwhile, our house is burning down. And it's not the fault of our government. We have become poor stewards of what God has entrusted to us. We disillusion ourselves if we think that, that simply by working a lot, that we're being diligent and a good steward. Or, or if we, we think we're involved in everything, or our kids involved in everything, that, that we're, we're preparing for the future. We idolize quality, quantity, rather than what is good and just. We have become consumers. Our time is spent consumptively rather than productively. In fact, it's been said that Americans worship their work Work at play and play at worship. We become consumers in all aspects of our lives. We think the goal 
of work is to take a vacation. We, we rely on our phone to save us from our responsibilities at home, and we want our church to entertain us rather than minister to us. The Equinomos, the manager in the parable, wasted his time and his manager's possessions. He was a consumer rather than what he was called to be, a producer. He was called to increase his master's possessions, what the master entrusted to him, not consume it. God has not called you to be a spiritual consumer. He has called you to be faithful with what he has entrusted to you, to be an acquaintance of what he's entrusted to you, to actually serve where he has placed you, including in your home or in your congregation or in your society. Now, it's, it's very easy to not do that, however. It's easier to, to just go find it and start something new. right? There's excitement there. And where there's excitement, there's usually what else? Money. The hard part is 20 or 30 or 40 years down the road. That's when the difficulty starts. That's when there's maintenance. It's true in a job. It's true in your home. It's true in your relationships. And it's true in a church. And this is why we, a 40-year-old congregation, actually need you. In the Old Testament, God commanded that the Israelites give 10%, a tithe, of their income. That's no longer a command. Jesus has fulfilled all of the Old Testament laws. But that is still the standard. Imagine if, if every family in this congregation gave 10%, we would have enough money to call another pastor. Uh, we could double the amount of our work our congregation does for just a little percentage more per family. To speak about it financially, that, that's an amazing return on investment. Or we could pay off a, a new entrance and elevator in five years. But actually, in terms of stewardship, money is the last thing your congregation needs from you. Money is the last thing your congregation needs from you. More important is your presence, your time. You owe it to your brothers and sisters in the faith to actually be here. Again, the biblical standard for believers is every Sunday worship, every week worship. I cannot, cannot overstate how much your physical presence is encouraging to your brother or sister in the faith who, who, who may be dealing with a variety of things, may be dealing with a death, with loneliness, with depression, with spiritual doubt. You owe it to them to be here because at some point you'll be in that situation and you'll want them to come alongside you You don't come to church just to abstractly worship God. You can't worship God in the abstract. You can't worship God alone. You worship God or serve God by serving those whom God has placed in your path. You view everyone as if Christ himself had come to you. To worship God is to do so in community, in 
in, in communion. Uh, this is why Lutheran pastors actually go visit shut-in members uh, to join in communion and community with them. And finally, you owe it to your church and to your family to teach the faith at home. Unlike tithing and, and every Sunday worship, uh, it is not simply the, the standard that fathers teach the faith at home. It's a command. If a man is too busy to provide the one thing needful for his family, then his economy is corrupt. He's like one of the men on the desert island. You can make a million uh, dollars selling hats to your neighbor, but you're going to die. Your wife is going to die, and your kids are going to die. And then what? You will have been found faithless. The equinomos in the parable knows he's been faithless. He knows he's been found wasteful. But he finally knows, he finally comes to himself and he knows what's important. Again, he's not a, a Christian, so what's important to him is his own life. And he's going to do whatever he can to keep it at all costs. So he goes to the debtors of his master, those people who owed a debt to his master, and he cuts all their debt, some by 20%, some by up to half as much. What he's doing is legal, but it's, but it's awful for the master, right? He, he's, he's giving away his master's money. But he's finally doing what he was supposed to do all along, even though he's completely unrighteous. But the master, solely out of his generosity, and this is amazing, actually commends the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. And then Jesus complains. He says, For the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the children of the light are. And what Jesus is saying is that if, if people of this world can produce or increase or, or make a profit off of what is important to them, friendship or their lives or, or, or making a million dollars selling hats, then if you, as a Christian, have something more important than money. Faith. Your faith and the faith of your household, then you should do whatever you can to increase it. Christ says, I tell you, make friends for yourselves with unrighteous mammon, so that when it runs out, they will welcome you into the eternal dwelling. Make friends for yourselves with unrighteous mammon. That's a strange phrase. Uh, but what he means is that we are to use the goods that this world would otherwise misuse and use them in service to our neighbor. The world will misuse your money if you let it. But you can use it well. If you let it, the world will misuse your family. The world does not care about your family. If you don't teach your family, the world will. If you let it, the world will misuse your church. We've already seen that in many places this past year of, uh, of the world assuming authority over churches. You may not be able to control the world, but you can control your home, your economy. 
And God promises blessings to those who do. God promises blessing to those who keep his commandments. To those who are found faithful, they will be blessed. To those who are there financially and physically for their church, for their family, for those who fight for the faith of their families, they will be blessed. You will be blessed. And why? Not simply because you've done those things, but because you're baptized into God's family. And this is important. You're, you are not blessed because you're faithful. You and I have been found unfaithful, like the man in the, in the parable. Rather, you and I are blessed because Jesus' faithfulness is credited to you. And so, in your stewardship, with what Christ has given to you, Christ has worked through you to increase your church, to increase the faith of your family, to make your economy flourish. Your stewardship is a confession, a witness of Christ. You can confess the world and what you think is important, or you can confess Christ. And our debt has been paid. By baptism, you've received the blessings Christ won on the cross. And so you owe not, not 80%, not 50%, not even 1% to God. For Christ has taken all your debt on himself. He's purchased you, purchased your redemption, not with gold or silver, but as our catechism says, with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. In order that you might be his own, be a part of his family, his economy. And so when you get to heaven, the things you do matter because you're baptized. You can't imagine right now how much, God, how much good God has, is, or will work through you and your stewardship. This is God's economy. God is always faithful. And even though the work I do may be faithless and unrighteous, God, out of his immense generosity, blesses us in spite of ourselves. God will remove us from stewardship. But because you are baptized into Jesus, when you get to heaven, God himself will say of you, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.